here on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway now, 11 minutes past 10 o'clock, sixth morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to Congressman Jordan. We went a little long, but there was a lot of important stuff to cover there uh, with the congressman. And um, we're going to cover some more important stuff at the bottom of this hour at 1035 with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, retired from the U.S. Army. And, of course, he's a former congressman from Florida as well. He was one of the black conservatives featured in the, uh, or is rather, in the ongoing uh, movie uh, by uh, Larry Elder called Uncle Tom. And um, he's phenomenal. He's he, I, I remember back in 08, prior to John McCain getting the uh, nomination for the Republican Party, I remember being a huge supporter of Alan West and wishing he would make a run for president. I, every time I hear, well, heard then, and I guess I'll continue it now and say, every time I hear him speak, I get inspired. Alan West, I mean, his, his military heroics notwithstanding, he's just filled with tremendous um, ideas he has expressed. He is such a... Uh, phenomenal spokesman for America uh, and her glory and her greatness. Um, it doesn't matter what the issue is, whether it's a domestic issue or a military issue. Every time I've heard Alan West speak, I've just been inspired by him. And I was hoping he would run for president. I wish he had run for Senate or something to get back into office, but um, uh, he didn't. And uh, he will be joining, uh, like I said, he was on uh, Larry Elder's uh, movie, Larry Elder's movie, Uncle Tom, and he'll be with me, joining me to the, uh, today at 1035. So I'm really, really looking forward to that conversation. It's been a while. I had, I had him on the air once before, but it's been far too long, and it's really to be good to have him back again. So... Um, I started the show by talking about the violent crime in Chicago, the violent crime in Atlanta, the violent crime here in Cleveland, and how so many of these cities, in fact, almost all of the top 20 cities for crime and for highest poverty, the highest crime rates and highest poverty rates, are Democrat-run cities, but not just now. That could be coincidental. But Democrat-run cities for decades, that's not coincidental. That's a pattern. That is, that is an expected result. If the same leadership that has fed you higher poverty rates and uh, brought you higher um, crime rates continues to do so and you continue to elect them, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is a self-created pattern. And that is real. That is, that is the problem. And this is why, again, just to tie this to my first topic there, we're talking about Uncle Tom. That is precisely why so many African-American conservatives are shouting at African-American voters and saying, why are you continuing to kill us? Why do you continue to vote for Democrats as governors of your state and mayors of your cities and city councils in your cities when they are the ones who continue to lead us down the, 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 you know, the, uh, the drain of despair? And that is exactly what continues to happen. And African-American conservatives shouting at African-American voters, quit voting for Democrats and making this happen, vote for Republicans, give us a chance, have something to go by. They have some evidence to use here. Donald J. Trump. Donald J. Trump has provided African-Americans in this country with the greatest opportunity for success than than they've ever had. Certainly, legions better than they had in eight years under the first black president, Barack Obama. 
whether it's the lowest unemployment rate or the higher wages, uh, uh, the First Step Act, um, uh, uh, record grants provided historically by black universities and colleges. I mean, it, President Trump has bent over backwards, and not just for re-election purposes, which Joe Biden tries to pander to black voters for, re, for, for election, electoral purposes, but he did this when he first got into office because it was important to him. Republican conservative policies work for, for minority America. And that's why this is such an important thing to, to shine a spotlight on. And again, we'll talk to Colonel West about that. Now, while we note and list the incredible accomplishments of conservative Republicans in helping the minority experience in America to improve and the ongoing efforts of liberal Democrat America to harm the African-American experience, to make them needy, to keep them chained to the metaphorical plantation of Democrat politics so that they will continue to vote for Democrats who give them stuff. While we highlight that, let's talk about Black Lives Matter, the organization. I always have to clarify that between the slogan of Black Lives Mattering or the organization called Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter is pulling the wool over the eyes of a very, very desperate nation right now. Trying to make you think that they care about black lives and not about political power. And they're winning the battle. They're winning the hearts and minds of people who are too afraid to see them for what they are. An example would be what I just brought up to Congressman Jordan. The National Football League has announced... That in deference to Black Lives Matter, a Marxist organization whose goal is to destroy the United States of America as she currently exists, literally destroy the greatest beacon of freedom and liberty in the history of human civilization, Black Lives Matter has convinced the National Football League to play something called the Black National Anthem before the uh, home openers, or the openers, rather, the season openers, um, in the, the upcoming NFL season. Now, before we talk too much in depth about what that means, yes, I was just as surprised and as shocked as you were, or are, to find out that there is a black national anthem. I didn't know that, because I thought a national anthem has to represent what? A nation. Right? For there to be a national something, it has to represent a nation. Well, the United States of America is a nation, but it isn't in need of a national anthem. It's already gotten one. It's called the Star Spangled Banner, and it represents all Americans. White Americans and black Americans and Latino Americans and Asian Americans and Euro Americans. And uh, I don't know, am I missing anybody? How about Australian Americans? Anybody who came here from there? As long as we're doing the hyphenated thing. The United States of America has a national anthem, and it represents all of us. It is not color-coded. It is not specific to one color or another. And yet, here we sit, being told essentially that it does represent only one race, and therefore, the black national anthem must be given equal time. And the NFL said, okay. And the NFL has caved in to the demands of a radical terrorist organization. By the way, At least one NFL stadium, in addition to a quote-unquote black national anthem being played, they are going to raise a Black Lives Matter flag 
to fly just below the American flag in their stadium. That one is San Francisco, the San Francisco 49ers. But you know that will be soon followed by other teams doing the same thing. Which brings us again the question, why would they allow an organization like Black Lives Matter that intends to destroy the United States of America to fly that flag literally just below the nation or the flag representing the nation they want to kill? This, this isn't conjecture. These are their words. They aim, they aim to break up the nuclear American family. They want to destroy what they call the patriarchy. They want to destroy cisgender normatives, as they call it. Um, they want to wipe out America's culture and America's history. The founding fathers that gave us the freedom that we all have right now, all of these things are on the t- in, the, in the crosshairs of Black Lives Matter, and the NFL is going to give them a bigger platform. The NFL is going to play a song called Lift Every Voice and Sing, sometimes known as the Black National Anthem before every season opener, according to ESPN. Now, I am told, I can't place the song, but I am told that it's a very nice song, and it's a very optimistic song, and it's a very uplifting song. And it's a song that's kind of considered to be a hymn that is sometimes sung in, in a lot of black churches. Okay. I'll I'll accept all of that. It may be a beautiful hymn. It may be beautifully uplifting, and I don't care what color church is in. If it's a, it's in. If it's a great song, it's a great song. If it lifts people up, it lifts people up. It cannot be given equal billing to the national anthem, however, and played as such because we are one nation. For if we have a white national anthem and a black national anthem. At what point will we be compelled to play somebody's version of a Latino national anthem? Somebody's version of an Asian American national anthem? And on down the line we go. We don't do that because we cannot be a divided country. We must be a united country. And unity happens from one national anthem representing one nation under God and indivisible. We are, however, apparently very divisible, very able to be divided. And this is a prime example of it. More coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten twenty-five. Continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I just told you the NFL story about what they're doing in caving to Black Lives Matter, allowing them to continue to advance the notion that somehow they're supportive of black lives. By the way, just as evidence of this, and I'm just going to remind you about the NBA part of the story, just as evidence of what I'm talking about, how many people did I tell you were shot in uh, in, uh, the city of Cleveland? 29 on the 4th of July. How many did I tell you, according to Cleveland Police Homicide Unit, were black? 26. Uh, Third question, how many protests have you seen about the loss of those black lives? Or the the shooting of those black lives? The shooting of those black people and the putting their lives at risk? How many protests have you heard from Black Lives Matter about the 67 people, the vast majority of whom were shot in Chicago? How many people from Black Lives Matter have said a word about the dozens of people who were shot in Atlanta? And on down the line we go. Not a word. Because it's not about black lives. It's about political power. Never forget that. 
the National Basketball Association caving in as well. They have listed 29 approved messages that can be put on the jerseys of the players instead of their names over their numbers. Here are some of the messages that are allowed in the NBA on their jerseys when they return to play on July 30th. Black Lives Matter. Say their names. Vote. I can't breathe. Justice. Peace. Equality. Freedom. Enough. Power to the people. Justice now. Say her name. Si se puede, which I guess is Spanish for yes, we can. Liberation. See us. Hear us. Respect us. Love us. Listen to us. Stand up. Ally. Anti-racist. I am a man. Speak up. How many more? That's a great one. Group economics. Education reform. Mentor. I would ask, by the way, anybody who wears how many more on the back of their jersey when the NBA restarts in this glorious uh, ode to social justice and wokeness i would i would like to ask that question too how many more people are going to be shot today in chicago how many more black kids are going to be shot in chicago and in cleveland and around the how many more that's a great question because there are thousands of them happening every single year a small handful of incidents involving firearms and police every single year but how many more that's a great question i'm wondering when somebody is going to say their names CNN headline, at least five children killed by gun violence across the nation this holiday weekend. Eight-year-old Sequoia Turner. Eight-year-old Royta DeMarco Giles. Eleven-year-old Devon McNeil. Seven-year-old Natalia Wallace. Six-year-old, I uh, don't have the name in, in uh, San Francisco. But there's, there's pictures of them. They're all minorities, all black children. Killed by street violence in American cities, not by police officers, killed by other black people in almost every instance. When are we going to say their names? Say the names of the innocent children. No, that doesn't work. Dan in Middleburg Heights. Hi, Dan. You're on the air. Go ahead. Good morning. Yes, sir. I wanted to tie in with your topic today. Uh, seeing what the, When I saw over the weekend that DeWine is passing it down to the cities to make decisions and counsel people, yeah, and when I saw that, I immediately. This was before Cleveland decided that everybody wears masks. And I was telling my wife, I said, "I'm going to predict. I don't care if you live in Avon, Elyria, Middleburg Heights, or Parma Heights, or anywhere else you want to name on the east side. But I believe uh, that uh, this is all about that power and party. And I believe these people are extorted or on the take with money, like those four councilmen in Toledo on internet cafes." I, I, you cannot underestimate the power of these people, Black Lives Matter and the Democratic Party, no matter what city you're in, because this is how these mayors and council people think, and they're under pressure, and I don't trust anybody, and it's a sad thing to see when they get down to the small cities to make you wear a mask. Then you can't avoid Cleveland. Then you then you got a big problem. Yeah, and there, yeah, you're right. And uh, the county is next. The Cuyahoga County Council is going to do it. Thank you, Dan, for the phone call. And you make some very good points. I uh, I do not disagree at all. Uh, and it is hypocritical. And I would not believe. I would not be surprised to learn that more of them aren't like Toledo, uh, and indeed on the take. I'm not going to accuse anybody, but I would not be surprised to learn those kinds of situations. Thanks so much for the call. Let me get a timeout for news. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West next. Ten thirty-five. As we continue, 
1420, The Answer. If you're on hold, I'm going to beg your indulgence and ask you to stay there. I will take your phone calls, but not until I have a conversation I've been looking forward to for quite some time. I've been a huge fan of this man's uh, since his work uh, in the United States House of Representatives. He represented Florida's 22nd Congressional District from 2011 to 2013. Um, Every time I would see him in front of a camera, every time I would hear him, uh, I would be inspired. I told you this an hour ago when I teased this interview, and uh, I found him extraordinarily inspirational. I wanted him to run for president in 2012, uh, to be honest with you. And, in fact, I would want him to run if he wanted to right now uh, because that's just the kind of man that he is. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West retired from the United States Army, uh, obviously, and, again, a member of the United States House of Representatives back in the uh, years 2011, 2012, and 2013, now is a political commentator. And uh, he is also uh, a survivor of a pretty horrific crash a couple of months ago. And I'm so glad that he is with us to talk about what's going on in our great country right now. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Colonel, it's an honor and a privilege. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm doing very well, and I pray that you had a wonderful and happy Independence Day and weekend. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Give us an update on your health. That that motorcycle crash back in May was pretty horrific. I've seen you in some videos with your bandages and your bruises and as you heal uh, through this process. How are you doing? Well, yeah, I'm doing very well. I would say I'm probably 80 to 85 percent. It was a horrific crash, and uh, I'm a walking miracle. Everyone knows that no one survives a motorcycle accident at 75 miles per hour on an interstate highway. Uh, So it's by God's grace that I'm here. Uh, I had shoulder surgery a month ago to uh, reconstruct the uh, socket bone and also put two screws in to hold my shoulder ball in place on my right shoulder. But, you know, I am I am back running. Uh, I've got back up to doing, you know, 4.5 miles. Uh, this morning wow. I was able to knock out six laps in the swimming pool because, you know, I don't have time to sit around and expect pity. I'm not a victim. Uh, and, and I just thank God that I can still be in the fight for the country. But it was a horrific accident. Uh, I've you know, the motorcycle is going to be uh, restored and customized, but it's going to be auctioned off for a military charity for a faith-based organization. So my riding days, uh, 35 years of motorcycle riding, has come to an end because I don't want to put my family or friends through that again. You know, I said you inspire me whenever I hear you speak. You just did it again. You're raising money with that motorcycle for charitable organization. You're you're up and running uh, four and a half miles with all of your injuries still at 85%. You are a very insp- inspirational man. And before I talk to you about the black, or let you talk to us, really, about the black experience in America, particularly for a black conservative, uh, and you are, of course, featured in the wonderful movie by our mutual friend Larry Elder and Uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about your political uh, uh, run and and why it ended as soon as it did. I meant what I said when you came on, and I talked a lot about you last hour uh, in more depth um, about why I was hoping you would run for either the Senate in Florida or make a run for the White House. You you are a very inspirational person. Everything I've heard you speak on from matters relating to the federal government, whether they be foreign or domestic issues or economic issues, I have just nodded my head in agreement and said, yup, yup, yup. I I just, I love what you stand for, and I know there are millions of people who do too. But you went a different path after your run in Congress, and I'm curious as to why. Well, 
one of the things that I saw happen uh, was, sadly, I had Republicans that betrayed me. Uh, Republicans redistricted me out of the congressional district that I, I represented down in South Florida. And then I was the number one target for the Democrats in 2012 because, uh, you know, the, the voice of a strong black conservative born and raised in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, had a good, successful military career, retired as a lieutenant colonel, great family. They don't want that image to be out there. And so what I had to do was go back and rethink my strategy. And, uh, you know, six years ago, I was asked to, to come back to Texas. That was my last duty assignment was for Hood, Texas, to work with a public policy organization. And now I'm running to be the chairman of the Republican Party of, of Texas because I see what is happening even here in Texas where we have some issues with uh, Republicans not standing up as they should. And, of course, the progressive socialist left making strong incursions into the Lone Star State. So, uh, you know, the, the thing is that sometimes, you know, you just have to be, be still and be quiet and wait for God to direct your path, as it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, to trust in the Lord and have faith in Him. And just the same as how He bounced me around on our 35, uh, he, he also has restored my body very quickly to let everyone see that, uh, you know, I, I am a miracle, and it has elevated my platform even more so. We are talking with a former congressman from Florida and retired Lieutenant Colonel Alan West uh, this morning on AM 1420, The Answer. You are certainly blessed by God, and I think we are blessed by uh, your presence and your voice because you really do inspire a lot of people. Um, let's talk about um, your experiences as a black conservative. You mentioned that that was part of uh, you know the situation in which you uh, kind of had the Florida Repu- Republican Party turn on you. Um, let's talk about Uncle Tom. Um, you have mm-hmm. heard that label many, many times. You probably have heard the word coon more times than you care to. You are included in the coon bunch that a, uh, uh, a Snoop Dogg, apparently, in response to Uncle Tom, sent out this meme that is going around in a lot of the uh, liberal circles uh, calling you one of the coon bunch. It's kind of a Brady Bunch grid in which it's got a bunch of black conservatives like yourself. This is exactly why Larry made the movie. Um, yeah. And in, in the movie, each of you talk about about what you experience on a regular basis as a conservative, and at what point, by the way, you realized that you needed to be an outspoken conservative African-American? Well, without a doubt, when you look at the policies of the progressive socialist left, the Democrat Party, how it has, it has absolutely decimated the, uh, the black community, and that's the great thing about Uncle Tom. It tells the truth. And so, you know, I don't worry about what Snoop Diggity Doggity or whatever his name is says about me because he is not talking about the issues. He is just trying to, once again, uh, use some disparaging moniker to think that he's going to get me to, to shut up and silence me. And that's true fascism when you really think about it. So when you look at the failure of the Great Society programs of Lyndon Johnson, when you look at the 21st century economic plantation, the decimation of the family, the fact that since Roe v. Wade you've had 20 million unborn black babies murdered in the womb, the, the, the depression of economic opportunity, the fact that they don't want to embrace anything such as educational freedom. Look at all of the murders that have happened in these major urban population centers controlled by Democrats for the last six to seven decades just in the last month. But yet they're not addressing that. They don't want to talk about it. And idiots, useful idiots, as Vladimir Lenin would, would call Snoop Diggity Dog, uh, they're not addressing that. They would rather point fingers and attack someone like myself or Larry Elder or Herman Cain or many of the other great black conservatives that have said, we don't want to be on this plantation. And we are going to stand up and hold and, and, and fight for those fundamental principles and values that my parents raised me on. 
So I think that this is an important moment right now in, in America uh, and, and for the black community to figure out which way they want to go. Either they want to be victors or they're going to continue to be victims. Where does your courage come from to do this, especially considering you have already... I read your your, um, your op-ed for Fox News about uh, Independence Day. Uh, July 4th has a special meaning for you as a black man who overcame discrimination. You have faced racial discrimination for being a black man from white people. Now you face discrimination from black people because you actually espouse yeah. conservative policies. So you're kind of getting hit, or at least you you had been hit from, from all sides. Where do, where do you get the courage to keep going, knowing that you're now taking it from the black community rather than just sitting back, living your life, staying quiet, and just letting whatever happens happen? Because my parents raised me to understand a very simple premise. Uh, the measure of a man is not how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. And my mother taught me that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. So my courage comes from my upbringing with uh, my mother and father. And what did I just say? A mother and father in the home. My courage also comes from my faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which in Isaiah fifty four seventeen it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn, for that's the heritage of those who love the Lord. And so the oath that I took on 31 July 1982 uh, to support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America, you know, that is what guides me. You know, my faith in God, my faith in this country. And guess what? My dad took that oath. My father-in-law took that oath. My older brother took that oath. My nephew took that oath. And they're serving right now. So that defines me as an American black man. And, you, you again, when I, taught, when I wrote that op-ed, you're looking at someone. I was born in a blacks-only hospital in Atlanta, Georgia. I grew up in the cradle of the civil rights movement there in the old Fourth Ward neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia, which produced Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Ralph Abernathy, all of these great icons, uh, John Lewis. But the thing is that I'm not going to cast aside the principles and values that I believe in and uh, that made America this, this great nation. And so it is not about, you know, being discriminated about. It's about overcoming. And as I said in that uh, op-ed, America is great because America affords everyone the equality of opportunity. But if we're not careful, there are people that want to dictate the equality of outcomes. And I don't want to have the latter. I think the former is what you want to stand for. We're talking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, former congressman from Florida. We're talking about the movie Uncle Tom, uh, which is Larry Elder's movie, which you can watch online at UncleTom.com. It is available for rent or purchase there. Alan West is one of the black conservatives featured in that film. Colonel, if I may, um, you suffered from discrimination. Uh, obviously, you point out being born in a black hospital, born in 1961. So you were, you know, growing up in the middle of the civil rights movement. You were a child uh, in the wake of the passage of the Civil Rights Act. And clearly, during the era of Jim Crow and during that period of time, there was systemic racism, literally by the system saying blacks can only be here, whites can be here, blah, blah, blah. But that's a long time ago. And I feel like in the last 50 years, 60 years, there have been a lot of really, really extraordinary uh, progress that has been made in, in, in you know, creating the equality that everyone desired. Um, so here we are watching in the wake of the George Floyd death and watching the entire country change. Um, and, and we are being told that this country is still systemically racist. As an African-American who experienced it, coming from parents in the Deep South who experienced it, can you say in 2020 that the United States of America is still systemically racist? 
No, the United States of America is not systemically racist. The, but this is what everyone needs to understand. The greatest purveyors of systemic racism in the United States of America is, has been, and probably will continue to be the Democrat Party. Uh, they you know, never stood for the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendments. Uh, they were against the Emancipation Proclamation. As a matter of fact, I live in Texas, and I'm running to be the chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. The Republican Party of Texas was founded on Independence Day of 1867 by 150 blacks. And so it's those things about our history that we don't understand. Look at Frederick Douglass and how these woke uh, little tyrants tore down his statue just uh, recently over Independence Day weekend. So the thing is this, when I look at what has happened today and, and the policies of the progressive socialist left calling themselves the Democrat Party, it's their new soft bigotry of low expectations, which is still a form of economic enslavement, not economic empowerment. And so that's what we need to talk about. We need to talk about the failure of the Great Society programs of Lyndon Baines Johnson and what it has meant. We need to get people to understand that back the Civil Rights Act, the Civil Rights legislation did not pass if it weren't for Senate Republicans. As a matter of fact, Senate Democrats uh, enacted the longest filibuster in the history of the United States of America to keep the Civil Rights Act from coming to the floor. Uh, so that's truth. But yet we are allowing another side to dictate the narrative and have us discussing something that we don't really need to discuss, but they're using as an ideological wedge. And so that's why I think, you know, myself, Larry Elder, many others, our voices are very threatening to them because we are professing the truth. And that's why they don't want to see have people see Uncle Tom. That That's an incredible documentary. Absolutely. Um I'm so inspired by some of the people that are featured in that film and by some of the great, you know, uh, senior African-American sages. I know Larry calls himself the sage of South Central. I'm talking about Thomas Sowell and I'm talking about Walter Williams. Yeah. You, you, you take a look at them and then you take a look at somebody like yourself and then you go to the youngest generation, people like Candace Owens. Is there a place for growth? Um, well, let me rephrase that. There certainly is. How much do you think the growth of black conservatism in this country, how much will we see, especially when we look at some of those younger folks like Candace? Well, I think it's happening. As a matter of fact, uh, you could have seen you know, anywhere the president's polling in the black community has been between 27 and 34 percent at the high water mark. That's why they want to stoke this issue of racism. You know, Black Lives Matter is an oxymoronic group with the emphasis on the word moron because they do not stand for anything that confronts the issues that are facing the black community. They don't, they don't address the black-on-black crime and that scourge. They don't address the genocide of unborn black babies. They don't address, ed- address educational freedom. They don't address economic uh, you know, empowerment zones or anything like this. They are a Marxist organization, and their leaders have said they're trained Marxists. So I think, again, this is why it's so important that the the voices of conservatism get out, not just in the black community, Hispanic community, Asian community, all across the United States of America. And we need to be emboldened. We need to be encouraged. We need to stop being that, quote, unquote, silent majority. And we need to be a vocal majority. Last thing, Colonel West, I think our country is in very, very great peril if um, if Joe Biden becomes president of the United States and if the Democrats uh, take control of the Senate. And I think both things will happen. If one happens, both will happen because they will have turned out enough voters. Um, and, and I think what we're seeing now will be just a small blip on the radar when it, in terms of statues being destroyed and American history being erased. I feel like Mount Rushmore will be gone. I feel like celebrating American independence next July 4th will not be allowed 
if that happens. So in the last uh, response here from you, can you just send a message? What message do you have to American voters and to African-American voters, over 90% of which tend to vote for the Democrat candidate in presidential elections? What is your last message to them about this coming November 3rd? It's very simple. Either you want to be a victor or you want to be a victim. If you stand for the rule of law, are you going to be dominated by the rule of the mob? Either you believe in economic empowerment or you believe in economic uh, enslavement. Either you believe in individual rights, freedoms, and sovereignty, or you believe in collective subjugation. Either you believe in everything that is right and true about the fundamental principles and values of the United States of America, or, as Joe Biden just said, this past weekend on our Independence Day weekend, that it's time to transform America, which is the exact same thing that Barack Obama said. There's nothing fundamentally wrong with the United States of America, but if we're not going to be a constitutional republic, then what are we going to be? Colonel West, if you ever decide to return to politics, please let us know. I will be one of the first to donate to your campaign. I really appreciate you, what you do. I'm so glad that God spared you from that terrible, terrible accident in, uh, in May. Thank you for being here for us and being a voice for all of us. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, again, featured in the movie Uncle Tom, Larry Elder's fantastic film. If you have not yet seen it, go to UncleTom.com and see it. It's two hours of extraordinarily important information that will help you understand race in this country and what it's like for conservative blacks in this country to, uh, to endure the slings and the arrows of, uh, from, uh, from their own race, from people who simply despise them for daring to think for themselves. It's really a remarkable film. I would highly recommend, by the way, when you do watch it, watch it with your family. Let the kids see it, too. Let's educate everybody. Final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Dennis Prager is obviously correct. I always go back to Orwell. It's amazing, absolutely amazing, the uh, similarities, the parallels between the dystopia presented by Orwell in 1984 and what we're seeing literally happen in 2020. You remember this quote? Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered, and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. That was George Orwell writing 1984, back in 1949 when he wrote it. And he was just off by about 30 years because it's happening right now in 2020. Maury is in uh, Beechwood on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Maury, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Bob. I don't know why I can follow uh, Colonel West, um, but he kind of inspired me, and I, I really want to thank you for having him on. I had, last time I called you was a several, couple years ago, and I remember telling you that you know how I knew that President Trump was going to be reelected because I didn't see any yard signs anywhere. And I'm seeing the same thing now. I'm seeing Biden signs. I'm seeing no Trump signs whatsoever. I think we're all, I included in the silent uh, majority, we're going to show up. And I think Trump is going to win on a landslide. And having leaders, black leaders like Colonel West, Candace Owens, who I think you should have on if you can, uh, Larry Elder and some of the others, um, you, you will see that, that President Trump is going to gain uh, a large percentage of the black vote. 
no doubt in my mind. Um, and I'm telling you that NFL, NBA don't know what they're getting into because I'm a I'm a I'm a fanatic, sports fanatic. But no more. I'm done. I'm done with it. And I'm and I'm not in the minority. Uh, a lot of other individuals are going to follow because I want you to. Know, I didn't miss sports. We got a chance to do a lot of other things that we haven't done before. And one final thing, here's what I wanted to, here's my suggestion. Instead of, since we can't, we're, we're too terrified to put the art signs, um, I've done this, and I've asked my friends to do this, and it's just put an American flag. Um, just put an American flag, and I think that's a signal, and that's a Trump signal, and that's, you know, yeah. that's, that's a patriotic, patriotic symbol. And, and again, a uh, Maury, I think I've got to go here, my friend, because I'm out of time, but I think you're 100% right on all those counts. I think there is a silent majority. There's a lot of people afraid to put the uh, Trump signs up so they don't get their property vandalized. And I think uh, you're right about sports, too. I think they're cutting their own throats because I've been a sports fan my entire life, and I am done with the NBA and with the NFL, and we'll see on MLB. Thanks for everything today, Jim Jordan. Thanks to uh, Colonel West. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.